Our birthright as humans is to be connected to ourselves, connected to others, and connected to God in freedom, holistically, with hope, with love, with a sense of belonging. So I think it's important to fight for that wholeness because of that fear is not your destiny. And so one thing I say to myself is I put my hand on my my chest and my other hand on my belly and I close my eyes, take a deep breath in, deep breath out, and I say, I am safe and secure in my body. But that requires me knowing those tools before the situation. Hi friends, it's Brittany Moses, and you're listening to the Faith and Mental Wellness Podcast, the podcast at the intersection of faith, culture, and mental health, where we get to dive into expert insights and the realities of those with lived experience to help us live more insightful, connected, and wholehearted lives. We understand that the views shared here are respectively held by each individual and is not a substitute for professional care or an alternative to seeking personal help from a clinician or provider and is ours to discern. So sit with us. You're listening to episode 50. Hey you, welcome back to another episode of the Faith and Mental Wellness Podcast. So glad you've decided to spend your time here with us today. Today's conversation is all about how to identify the subtle fears that are keeping you stuck to live a more freedom-filled life with my good friend, Kat Harris. Kat is a Brooklyn-based online educator, digital content creator, and female empowerment advocate. She's also been a full-time photographer for the last decade, with her work featured in Vanity Fair, GQ, Forbes, People, US Weekly, Glamour, UK, and so many more. She has a Bachelor's of Science in Biblical Studies from Dallas Baptist University and is co-founder of the online publication, The Refined Woman, and host of The Refined Collective Podcast, where she expounds on thought-provoking conversations around single healthy sexuality, and faith. Ultimately, her vision is for women to know their beauty, identity, worth, and value, and to experience untapped freedom and joy in their lives, regardless of their relationship status. Now, today we're talking about some of the common subtle fears that tend to hold us back from showing up for our lives, new opportunities, and relationships, and how we can recognize our triggers and reframe thoughts rooted in fear and anxiety which leads us into a bigger conversation about purity culture, striving from a faith that is driven by shame and fear and some of the detriments of that approach based on her latest book, Sexless in the City. Trust me, this is a conversation that you don't wanna miss. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Kat Harris. I was gonna say we have Kat Harris in the building, but that's like so 90s, I feel like, in the house. I love 90s. We can start with some 90s R&B. Hello. Oh my gosh. Throwback. Oh my gosh. Kat, so I'm so happy to have you. I feel like, I don't know how to explain it. I feel like you're just a friend from a virtual distance. Like we have these mutual friends and we've partnered on some things together, giveaways and love your content. So I'm so excited that you're here. I'm so happy to have this conversation with you this morning. Oh my gosh, Brittany. I'm so excited to be here and I'm so excited to be connecting with you. Finally getting to see your face in person. Well, not in person, but I see your face all the time on Instagram, but to be talking to your face right now. Feels really exciting to my face. I love it when you talk to my face. (laughs) (laughs) So today we're talking about identifying the subtle fears that tend to hold us back. And I know there's so much that we can impact on this conversation just based off of things we've talked about before this. But for those who aren't familiar with you, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and leading up to the work that you're doing today? Yeah. So I am author of the book Sexless in the City, and I host a weekly podcast called The Refined Collective, and I've run this online platform for primarily women called The Refined Woman for the last almost 10 years. And really that has become a space where my mission is to empower and equip women to embrace their beauty, identity, value, worth through storytelling and primarily through sharing my story and the stories of others. And in the last few years, I've really started 
coaching a lot more single women in mm-hmm. the areas of dating, relationships, identifying the limiting beliefs that are keeping them from the relationships they want and long for. And really, I believe how you show up for one thing is how you show up for everything. So the tools that kind of go into are can translate to whether it's me talking about my struggle with really debilitating anxiety attacks or healing from an eating disorder in college to online dating. Yeah. So yeah, so nothing has really been linear about my story and what led me up to that except for being led by curiosity and going through different doors that were opened and closed. I started as a Bible major in college and then after college moved to Southern California, worked in the nonprofit world. And then from there somehow landed a job working for one of the top photographers in the nation, which then led me to starting my own photography business a few years later and moving to New York city to do fashion and editorial work. And along, along the way there, I started the refined woman and it's, it's just morphed and transitioned over the years and over yeah. time. Oh, that's so exciting. Um, and I was going to say like, yeah, nothing highlights those fears and, you know, limiting beliefs like dating, <laughs> <laughs> like the vulnerability of putting yourself out there, but not even just with, you know, this, the dating world, but everything you shared about taking these steps out in work, um, you know, going into photography, going into editorial and just stepping out and taking those risks. Like I don't, know how much people may understand um, the vulnerability of transitioning through even each of those seasons, what that looks like. Yeah, for sure. Oh my gosh. I mean, I think when we talk about fear, I think what's so interesting is often, at least for me, when I started going on a path of identifying fear narratives, I heard them called limiting beliefs and I had never heard that phrase before. Yeah, it was labeling. almost... I'm like, what? What's a limiting belief? Almost 10 years ago, I started doing this really intense emotional intelligence workshop that was retreats and workshops for about six months. And the first entire week was about identifying the uh, identifying your limiting beliefs. I was like, what the heck? I don't have limiting beliefs. <laughs> and they began just saying, notice notice the thoughts that come up, notice the things that feel really true. And they were like, you'll start noticing there's like a committee in your head. There's just a committee and it's, oh, well, for me, I felt like I was a woman in a man's world. So Mm -hmm. I felt stuck in my photography career because it seemed as though my femininity was a liability. Mm. And so my belief was that I wasn't getting jobs. I wasn't getting bids. I wasn't getting the promotions because I was a woman. And so then everything that did or didn't happen was ammunition. And so it felt really true. It didn't feel limiting. It felt very true to my experience. Same in dating. I felt like I was always the friend. And I felt that way because that happened multiple times. And So it didn't seem like this thing that was holding me back. It just felt like it was something that was really true. And I think that is what can be tricky about identifying these beliefs is it's, well, yeah, I've been put in the friend zone 50 times. So yeah. Or I've online dated and it hasn't worked for me. So yeah, it doesn't work. Or yeah, I am the only female at my office and I don't participate in the boys locker room because I'm not invited to the boys locker room. So I will never get the same opportunity. Um, so fear it can be tricky because it's all of our fear narratives are connected to some form of truth in our lives. Yeah. Something that we talk a lot about is how the brain and body is associative. And really all we have is our experience and our reality to go off of. And that's how we develop beliefs. That's how we learn about life. That's how we learn about relationships and people around us is through what we've experienced. So it's very valid. Like you said, like if all you've experienced is, you know, being in the friend zone, or if all you've experienced are relationships that were dysfunctional or abusive or just ended really badly, then you develop these core beliefs that, okay, like I'm always a friend or relationships don't work out, or they be, then they become these overgeneralizations 
that you filter your reality through. Um, and it's so automatic, like you said, that committee that's in your head. It's just like, it's an what happens is it becomes an automatic thought pattern. When these triggers come up, you on autopilot just go into these fears. And so um, that being said, like what are some of the common subtle fears that tend to hold us back from showing up for our lives? I know that's kind of a broad question, but yeah, well, it's, it's probably broad, a ton of them. Yeah, it's broad, but it's also very human. Yeah. I think everyone, no matter who you are, where you're born, what time period you are or are not living in, we all want the same thing. We want all want to feel loved, accepted. We want to feel a sense of belonging. We want to know, am I worthy? We want to be safe and secure and be taken care of. We want to have our needs met. And really, a lot of this is from Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Yeah, the, there you go. Pyramid of, okay, before anything else, do I have a roof over my head? Do I have water? Am I safe? Am I secure? And and then we move up to relationships. Are my relationships safe and secure? Do what about my sexual desire? And then like my mind and my, my intellect, all that stuff. And so I think fear, fear becomes attached when any of those things feel threatened. Mm -hmm. Fear gets activated. So let's talk about love. If, if I'm not sure I will be accepted in a loving relationship, or if I wonder if I've felt before that I am too much or not enough, or why, why does it seem like everyone else is getting the relationship, but not me Yeah, fear is activated. And then our sense of belonging. Do I have a seat at the table? Do, do I fit within the norms of whatever culture I'm stepping into, whether it's work, church, relationships, career, um, I, am I being seen? Am I being fully seen and accepted? And if not, then I don't feel a sense of belonging. Am I being taken care of? Do I have enough money to pay for rent this month? What if I don't, what's going to happen then? What if, so when any of these things feel threatened, fear is going to get activated. And I think the interesting thing about that, like you talked about, we are, our brains are created to keep us alive. <laughs> they're, thanks, they're, brain. Yeah. Thanks, brain. <laughs> I always brain. say, thank your brain and thank your body. Thank you, brain. Thank you, brain. Thank trying thank to you protect body. you. <laughs> Literally trying to keep you alive. So, yeah. At the very, at our very primal sense, mm -hmm. a very primal sense of us as belonging and am I taking care of to have oxygen in my lungs and the roof over my head? So, when any of those things get active, Activated, the primal part of us gets activated and our brain is looking for, our brain is always on an evidence hunt. Our brain yeah. is on an evidence hunt, gathering information because our brain creates patterns and our mm -hmm. brain through the dopamine release of the reward center. And I know I'm preaching to the choir here, like, you know, all this stuff, but when that dopamine it. is released, our brain is like, Oh, here's a pattern. Oh, okay. When she puts herself out there in love, she gets rejected. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. how can we protect her? How can we save her life from that happening again? So a, a neuropathway in our brain is created so that when anything like love comes up, oh, we know how to deal with this. We already have a pattern there. So we self-preserve, we self-protect, we reject ourselves yeah. before they can walls. reject us. We reject them before they can reject us. Yeah. And so we do that in every sense of uh, every sense of it. And in, in the idea that because our brains are always looking for evidence, if we have, if I have a root belief that no matter what, I always feel on the outside, always feel just a little bit on the outside of the table. Yeah. Like everyone else is at the dinner party and I'm standing on the outside looking in. If that is what has felt true, there is, there is a neural pathway in our brain, a memory, a, a bicycle groove in our brain that gets activated and then says, yep, this is what happens when this happens. So here's how we self-preserve. Mm -hmm. So I think those fear narratives can look anything like I'm never going to get the job promotion. Whenever, whenever 
I feel a always never statement coming up in my head. Mm-hmm. I can know, okay, I think fear might be driving the ship. Right. I always get left out. Ugh, here we go again. My family never hears me. I'm I'm always lonely and left out of my family. I I never feel understood. Here I am again. Oh, rejected again. The bridesmaid again. So when when you start to notice, oh, there's these always never statements coming up. I think uh, other indicators of fear driving the ship can be when we want to be in control. And control is subtle because we we uh, we exalt control. You know, I. I am type A. I like being super organized, but often underneath control is fear. Yeah. Fear of being out of control. Well, if I can control the narrative, then I can control what other people think of me. Then I can control if I'm loved, accepted, seen, belonged, taken care of. Right. So, yeah. And then those things end up controlling you in return. Absolutely. Today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Hey guys, we're going to get right back to the conversation because trust me, I know you'll want to hear the whole thing, but I quickly wanted to share with you this exciting new partnership I have with BetterHelp. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P. One of the questions I get asked a lot are how you can go about starting therapy. A number of you are located around the country and even around the world. And as helpful as I often like to be, sometimes I find myself limited in being able to provide the one-on-one resources that you need. Well, I'm happy to say that one option I can share with you today is BetterHelp's online therapy and counseling services with licensed mental health professionals. Since I know a lot of you guys want more faith-based counseling as well, I'm even more excited to share that they also have another service called Faithful Counseling, which has licensed Christian therapists and counselors who are certified by their state, where you can receive licensed counseling using your computer, tablet, or mobile phone through video calls, phone calls, or text messaging. So I use BetterHelp Therapy. I've been using it myself, and it's been super convenient, you know, between school, work, and really just having someone to check in with on a regular basis has been so important for my own mental health. So what happens is when you sign up, you'd be matched with a counselor in 24 hours or less, and you can securely message your counselor anytime, any day, you know, day or night, and get replies within 24 to 48 hours. BetterHelp also has group in our sessions every week where you can learn in groups directly from licensed counselors on multiple topics like relationships and ways to overcome anxiety. Uh, I also found out that financial aid is available for those who qualify and you can apply for financial aid during the sign up process. Hello. Additionally, listeners of the Faith and Mental Wellness podcast like you get 10% off of their first month using my specific link in the show notes below. And like I said, I know a number of you are around the world. BetterHelp is available worldwide. And if you want to get started and get matched with a counselor within the next 24 hours, I have links to both BetterHelp and Faithful Counseling in the show notes. I should mention that it is not a crisis line, okay? If you are experiencing a crisis, I have a link to all the crisis lines by country in the show notes as well. Check it out and let me know what you think. Okay, let's get back to the conversation. Thank you so much for just normalizing that because I feel like a lot of people think something is wrong with them um, because they do have these beliefs that are, you know, that are limiting. And, you know, I was just telling someone the other day, like, hey, it's actually completely normal to feel that way and to have those beliefs If this is what you've experienced in life and this is all you've had to go off of. Really, that next step is challenging those beliefs and expanding from this black and white view of life, right? From these overgeneralizations that we make with the nevers and the always um, and realizing that life is, a, is more nuanced than that. Yeah. And like you said, sometimes those limiting beliefs become a self-fulfilling prophecy. Because Absolutely. you believe you're going to be rejected, you fulfill that by rejecting them before they reject you. And so now it, you're now it's actually happening. And then there's the confirmation bias of, see, it happened, you know? Yeah. So it's true. And it's kind of this cycle. So um, 
Yeah. So understanding when to, where to pause, you know, Mm -hmm. where to realize, like you were talking a lot about identifying, okay, I'm noticing I'm going into this black and white thinking. Mm -hmm. So chances are fears in the driver's seat. Um, I may not be thinking the most rationally about this. It's emotionally charged. Um, So why is it important to reframe these thoughts and like, how can we reframe them in the moment for the person who is hearing this and like, I do this, you know, I have a lot of fears that are driving me. I have a lot of limiting beliefs. Like, how can I actually build a life or reconstruct a life that isn't so reactive to these things? Yeah. Well, gosh, that's a really good question. Yeah. I would first say answer the question, why is it important to reframe these thoughts? Mm-hmm. Because I don't believe that we were created to live a life rooted in fear. That part. That's not the that's not the life that God has intended for me to be terrified of. When is the next time I'm gonna have a panic attack? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So let me, let me control every aspect of every experience and always have my exit strategy in case I start feeling activated and triggered and have a panic attack. What? I mean, I've lived that way. Yeah, It is living in prison. It's being in a prison of your own making. It's to constantly be living your life. And often this is subconsciously yeah. waiting for the other shoe to drop. Yep. I didn't even know that I had, I had done so much quote unquote work that I was very prideful almost in, Oh my gosh, I've done so much work. I'm in such a good place. Yeah. And my, I have a family member that really struggles with addiction and they were sober for over a decade and they relapsed a few years ago. And Oh my gosh, the fallout from that, the way my body reacted, I didn't know that for 10 plus years, a part of me underneath had been waiting the entire time for the other shoe to drop. Yeah. So there was so much fear and anxiety and trauma activated when that happened because I connected my safety to their sobriety. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is also codependent. <laughs> Hello. Thank yeah. You. That's usually so what happens. Why, yeah. yeah. So why is this important? Because you get to live an abundant life. That's your birthright. Yeah. Our birthright as humans is to be connected to ourselves, connected to others and connected to God in freedom, holistically with hope, with love, with a sense of belonging, because I exist, I matter, period, the end. So when I'm living from a space where that isn't fundamentally true, mm-hmm. then man, I'm living, I'm living the part in Wizard of Oz where it's black and white. And I'm it's like a black and white one-dimensional experience when I believe the life God has for us is multifaceted, colorful, three-dimensional, maybe four or five-dimensional, who knows? So I think it's important to fight for that wholeness because of that fear is not your destiny, even though it might feel that way. Mm -hmm. So how can we reframe in the moment you asked? I think first of all, it's outside of the moment being willing to do the work because typically once we're activated and triggered, that primal part of our brain is activated. Taken over. (laughs) Once, once I learned that the primal part of our brain took over and that in those moments, your brain can't really process much because the primal part, it made so much sense to me because I was like, I feel like I can't think clearly mm-hmm. once my brain is activated or once I'm feeling that panic arise, it would be like, I would stumble over my words. And in that moment I learned, okay, the primal brain is activated. So really it can only handle very primal language. Like I am safe. Yeah. I am secure. And so one thing I say to myself is I put my hand on my, my chest and my other hand on my belly and I close my eyes, take a deep breath in, deep breath out. And I say, I am safe and secure in my body. But that requires me knowing those tools before the situation. Mm -hmm. So before you're activated, when you're not activated, when you're not triggered, figure out what triggers me. Yep. What are the things that activate me? When I was neck deep in anxiety attacks, once I really unpacked every single time it ever happened, I learned, oh, wow. Every single time I've had a balls to the wall panic attack, I didn't sleep well 
for a few days before. Right. And I typically, I didn't eat well. So I would have gone hours without eating a meal. So either skipped breakfast or skipped lunch. And typically it happened when it was really, really, really hot. So not only was I sleep deprived mm. and had also had too much caffeine in me, I was having a sugar crash. I, my body was on empty. And so then it was as though my gas tank is on empty and a pebble got into my engine and then the whole thing exploded. Right. So I knew, okay, outside the moment, I typically get really triggered with anxiety when those things occur. So those are kind of the perfect storm for me. And then you add on, oh, like I'm afraid of rejection. Then that makes it even worse. Right. So for me, I knew, okay, outside of the moment, I need to make sure I'm sleeping well, eating three meals a day. And if I'm doing, if I'm on a photography set or if I'm having a travel day, I need to have protein and snacks with me to set my body up for success and really be able to take care of myself physically so that I can really prevent those fear moments from happening or the anxiety washing over. And so I feel like there's, for me, I call it going back to the basics. Yeah. Eating well, sleeping well, having an, enough rest. Am I spending time meditating and stillness and God's word? All of that is super helpful outside the moment. And then also just literally writing down a list in my journal. I have a constant list of what thoughts feel activating to me, what, which, and then from there, writing down that list of all those things that feel really true and then make a chart. Is this rooted in fear or freedom? Is it rooted in lack, scarcity, condemnation, victim, self-pity, or is it rooted in hope, love, abundance? It's rooted in fear Then I can know, okay, this isn't serving me. What's actually true. Yeah. So whether it's in work, my femininity feels like a liability and here's all the reasons why. Okay. That may feel true. That's actually rooted in scarcity and fear. Right. What could be another possibility of truth there? Well, it could be possible that as a woman in my industry, that could actually be an asset. Cause I know from my research that when women are in decision-making rooms, everyone benefits. Peace treaties last longer. And even in my own experience as a photographer, being a female photographer, my models feel more safe because they don't think I'm trying to do something inappropriate with them. And so flip that script outside of the situation and then get evidence for it. What's your source of truth? A lot of my truth statements come from scripture and from my own experience. And then I have those truth statements. I mean, I have post-it notes all over the place and I have them in my phone. So then in the moment when I'm feeling triggered or activated or, oof, I just said one of those always nevers or man, I just, I reacted in a way to that situation that almost feels like the crime didn't fit the punishment Mm -hmm. probably means that something else is coming up for me. So pause. And it's perfectly fine if you're in a conversation with someone say, Hey, you know, I need a minute. Yeah. Something's coming up for me right now. Put your hands on your body, breathe, and then ask yourself what's true in this moment. I'm safe. I'm secure. Even if the worst case scenario happens, I'm safe. I'm secure. I'm supported. And then ask for support. I think a huge thing for me was realizing I am allowed to ask for support. Yeah. I can no matter how high functioning you are. Yeah. That. Hey, I'm struggling right now. Can you remind me of what's true? Yeah. Here's what, here's what feels true right now. And I'm feeling really shaky in this moment. Can you speak truth to me? Yeah. A lot of what you're saying is, is that the big, like a big turnaround and a big step is just even getting to that level of self-awareness. I feel like half of the battle with fears and anxieties and all of this is just being self-aware even of what are those automatic thoughts that come up for you? What 
are, do those triggers tend to be? Because if you're not identifying them in your own life, then you're really living on autopilot and in reaction. But like mm-hmm. you said, outside of the moment, you can have a plan and mm-hmm. actually be preventative instead of reactive to when you're triggered by panic, by fear, by anxiety. Um, and speaking of just kind of living from a place of fear and limiting beliefs and deconstructing those things to reconstruct a truth to live by. I know that you talk a lot about this in your new book, and I was hoping that you could give us an example of what that has looked like. And I know you specifically speak about the scope of sexuality within the church, which I think is so underrated. Like it's just Mm -hmm. not, we don't, we haven't seen a lot of healthy examples of that conversation, which is why I'm so excited that you're talking about this. Um, What did that whole process look like for you within this context as a bigger example? Yeah. Oh my goodness. There's so many examples I could give you, but I'll just share one of them. So for me, I grew up in Southern conservative evangelical culture and the height of the purity movement. So it purity movement was this basically a huge marketing campaign to get high school students to pledge to not have sex until marriage. And in that there were a lot of other scripts that came along with it. Mm-hmm. A big one from that really stood out in my experience was that guys really struggle with lust. And because of that, it's the woman's job to protect our quote unquote brothers in Christ from quote unquote stumbling into sexual sin. Mm-hmm. I was taught that over and over and over again, subtly and explicitly from things like whenever things like pornography were talked about, the leaders would only address the men in the room. And so I would think things like, oh my gosh, are are guys, the are men the only ones that masturbate? I must be a really terrible human because as a high school student, I was masturbating. And so I thought, wow, I, I learned a lot of subtle narratives from that. One is that women weren't allowed to or expected to be sexual in the way that men were. There was the subtle belief that boys will be boys. Mm-hmm. And boys are just more sexual. And because of that, they fantasize more, they're more visual, they're more physical, and they're driven by their urges. Mm-hmm. And, and they can't, they can't have control over their urges. Almost like they're primal. Like yeah, primitive. they're just yeah. animals. <laughs> yeah. And so as women, we have to protect them from that. And so in that, I learned, oh, my body is bad. And my body was also sexualized. I think it's easy to see in cultural culture, how hypersexualized the female body is from any ad campaign. You look at sex sells to we, we go to the church, which is supposed to be countercultural, but no, we've made it woman's fault and responsibility because of her body is so provocative and sexualized that we have to hide it. Don't throw on those spaghetti straps. Don't, don't do throw it. on those spaghetti straps, fingertip length shorts, one or piece bathing suits. Gotta be one all piece. of that. <laughs> so yeah. I sort of internalized these narratives for a long time, even though they felt uncomfortable to me. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be a good Christian and I trusted the leaders in my life. And so I had narratives that were being spoken to me externally, Yeah, which were most of these narratives rooted in shame. And I, it really wasn't until I started doing a lot of therapy and emotional intelligence training that I realized, oh my gosh, I think my body's bad. I think my sexual desire is wrong and taboo and gross. And I believe that it's my job to uphold the entire male population's sexual integrity that is backbreaking because it's a, it's a responsibility that should never be on my shoulders. And so I got to a point in my life on the heels of a bad breakup after I had moved to New York city, where I started questioning all of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. I really had no idea why I was not having sex outside of, I thought perhaps the Bible told me so. Cause that's what had been told to me. 
I had a hunch that my body wasn't bad, but it's all I ever knew. And so I went on a journey of deconstructing a very similar framework of what we've talked about with how do I identify the subtle fears in my life? I started asking, what do I actually believe about God, my body, my femininity, gender roles, sexuality, physical intimacy? And I wrote down, what are all these beliefs? And then where did those beliefs come from? Mm -hmm. What did I learn about my body from home, from school, from culture, from religious institutions? And how did those spaces influence what I hold to be true today? Mm -hmm. Are those beliefs rooted in fear or freedom? I was shocked that almost all of them were rooted in fear, shame, condemnation, control, And so from there, I went on a truth journey. So then what's really true? How do I know what is true? Where is my source of truth? So I went to, as a, uh, as a person who follows Jesus, I went to scripture. What does scripture actually say about my body? Mm -hmm. Wow. It says that my body is a house for the holy, that it's a temple that God lives in. Genesis one says that God created humans with the God image and divine spark and that we are very good. Whoa, wait, there's a whole entire book in the old Testament song of Solomon. That is this erotic foreplay sex handbook. Wait, what? God isn't seem spicy about <laughs> sex. Yeah. And so I went back to my source of truth and that was really able to flip a lot of those narratives on its head. And then I looked at my own experience. Scripture says that humans, we are, we are the children of God or we are the sheep. He is the, the shepherd. Shepherd. Yeah. Hear the shepherd's voice. Mm -hmm. So then I can go to my own experience. God, what are you speaking to me? What is my own experience telling me? What is wisdom intuition? What is my body telling me? Oh, wow. My body's telling me that I allowed myself to be in really unsafe, toxic situations with men. And I dismissed them because I was taught from the pulpit that my heart is deceitful above all things, which is a scripture in the old Testament taken out of context to teach that all of my emotions are bad. Mm. And so in that I learned to silence myself, right? I internalized trauma. I made What's that? Yeah. We disconnect from ourselves. Yeah. yeah. I disassociated from my body. Mm -hmm. And so a huge part of that deconstruction was what everything here that's rooted in shame, we're clear, we're clean in house. (laughs) And then we're going to, what does scripture say? What does my experience say? What does science and research say? And then from there, how do I want to walk out my singleness? How do I want to walk out in dating? But only from a place of being internally motivated by freedom because Jesus came so that I could have an abundant life, mm-hmm. not a life rooted in shame. That's not the God invitation for us. Yeah, it's, it's. I mean, yeah, thinking about sexuality, I think just even a lot of things, I think that's a great example of how a lot of us were raised around our belief systems were rooted in shame and fear. And like you said, uh, you know, typically to control, right? Mm -hmm. Um, It's like when you're trying to control, you're usually using some type of shame or fear to do that. Um, And it's just, you know, don't, you know, protect your bodies and, you know, all of that. And um, we know through, you know, research and kind of common sense wisdom that shame doesn't heal anyone. Um, it usually creates either a cycle where you keep going through that cycle or it sends people to the complete other spectrum, the complete other side of things. And so even with the mental health conversation, there was so much shame, like you said, around emotions, just being good or bad, all this black and white thinking. Um, and so I think that, you know, I guess with our generation or with more conversation and understanding more of the dynamics on these things, a lot of us are really growing into understanding like maybe this wasn't the healthiest approach for our faith, for our mental state, for our lives. And um, there are ways that are informed by like you said, like science, I don't think faith and science are opposites at all. Mm-hmm. I think they inform us a lot about what God has already done and doing in our lives and through creation. <laughs> um, 
to really have a sustainable faith that we can live out and that we can walk out in freedom. So I'm so glad that uh, all of this was tied into kind of the faith, the faith aspect of things and even how we're living out our faith. Are they ruled by subtle fears? Yeah. Yeah. And even just along the lines of what you're saying, I think that true transformation happens when we're internally motivated. Mm -hmm. I cannot force anyone to want to go to the gym and get a six pack. (laughs) The only way that's going to happen is if I am internally motivated. Mm. And if I know my why, my why impacts the how and the what. And so I think even as I thought about, man, how do I want to talk about sexuality and body and desire with my children? I don't have kids yet, but I do have Mm -hmm. younger sisters who are 15 and 17 years younger than me. How do I talk with them in such a way where there are parts of me, Brittany, that I, I want to be like, just don't do X. Yeah. <laughs> Literally just don't, don't do it. Trust me. Just don't, don't do me. it. Yeah. I know how this story ends. And so how do we offer wisdom in our in experience without adding that shame? And I think the more I've done this work, the more I understand yeah. why something like the purity movement happened. It probably was a band yeah. of people who are like, man, when I had a bunch of casual sex that didn't actually serve me. Mm-hmm. And so I want to protect the next generation from going through the heartache and pain that I went through. But I know from my own experience, it was the people who held space for me when I was in my question and formation and doubting and confusion, the people that weren't threatened by me asking the questions and doubting and that held space for me and that yes, shared their opinion and gave me feedback, but really just walked alongside me. That was so much more helpful than my friends were like, well, you just shouldn't date him. Just don't do it. He's a jerk or, oh my gosh, there's all the, the viral TikToks that are with people that struggle with anxiety. And they're like, oh my gosh, you know what? Someone came up to me today and said, oh, just calm down. Yeah. And they're like, oh, I'm finally cured. They told me to calm down. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you so much. I've been struggling with debilitating anxiety attacks for 10 years and I finally have my answer. Calm down. If only it was easy. Black and white is very preachable, not as much livable. That's a good point. Black and white is easy. And that's the whole thing about assumptions in general. Like um, psychologically, it's just what our brain wants to do. It just wants to go to assumptions. It's it's how we make sense of the world. It's an easier fast track to understanding our reality by putting things in categories, good mm-hmm. or bad. It's, it's easier to do that than to have this intentional lifestyle where you actually are sitting back and you're having to pause and you're having to sort through and go, okay, maybe there, it isn't black and white. What are the other dynamics that are at play? Um, You know, like you said, my sleep, and I noticed I wasn't eating and the coffee and this and that, like, I love that black and white is easy to preach. It's the things that it's the things we like to say amen to. Mm -hmm. I noticed that like, even in even in the church, even in the mental health conversation, like people love those soundbite, direct, quotes, you know, just, uh, you know, claims. People love to amen those, love to retweet those. Um, we love the black and white statements that are bold and that are direct. But yeah. when it comes to those, you know, posts or things that you really have to sort through and maybe doesn't have an, a definite answer to mm. um, and requires more critical thinking, uh, people tend to not gravitate to that as much. I like to think that we're changing. Um, with being in more of an information error online, but it's true. It's true. Yeah. Black and white comments are much easier to say. They're much easier to grasp and applaud and amen. But a lot of times life is much more dynamic than that, whether yeah. it comes to fears and anxieties or the topic of sexuality or whatever it is that is um, that is driving us underneath. Yeah. And I think that's because we live in an instant gratification culture. Yeah. I want what I want when I want it. And I want it popping hot yesterday. When, when really 
instant gratification almost always over promises and under delivers. Mm -hmm. And so I want the sound bite. I want the prescription. I want the, the five steps to meet my husband in 60 days. I want the get rich overnight plan. I want to know how to double my following and these three easy steps. And I want you to tell me because I don't want to think about it. Mm -hmm. Give me, give me the one liner, give me the hack. And those typically don't work. I mean, I've bought the courses how to launch an online course, how to launch a six figure online course. I've done all the things and guess what? It didn't work, but over promised and under delivered. Mm -hmm. And so I think we have, we are in the midst of living in a real deficit because we have not been taught, nor do we Mm -hmm. have the desire to think critically. So even I, I hadn't been to church in almost a year because of the pandemic. And I went to a church last Sunday and he said something that got a, a bunch of amens. And even I found myself nodding my head. Yes. <laughs> he goes, acceptance doesn't mean approval. You can accept someone and not approve of them. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And then I was like, wait a second. What does he mean by that? Mm-hmm. And what is he really saying? So for instance, I accept the person in my family who is an addict, but I don't approve of their drug use. Mm-hmm. Well, actually that's not true. Mm-hmm. I, I love that person, but I don't accept or approve of their drug use, <laughs> you know? And even, even when we're talking about inclusivity mm-hmm. and I really accept someone partially Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know if I can. And so I, I still am unpacking what right. that phrase means to means. me, or mm-hmm. I feel like he said that. And I thought, well, hold up. I have about 10 follow-up questions for you, man. <laughs> you would, if anybody would, by the way, <laughs> it's Kat. <laughs> well, so who are you really a- directing that statement towards, you know, it's usually and- to your amen people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So I think when you hear those one-liners, what are the beliefs underneath the beliefs? Mm-hmm. All of this stuff is the same framework for how do we identify fear? Mm-hmm. Instead of just accepting something as gospel truth, what are we really saying? Mm-hmm. What are we really saying when it's the woman's job to uphold male sexual integrity? We're saying yeah. we, we're saying men are animals. Men can't control their urges that women are wrong for breathing and like we're, we're men are more sexual, but women are hypersexualized. There's actually so many problematic narratives underneath that belief. And I think something that's super important to ask with any belief, limiting belief or, or not, who's benefiting from this belief and who's suffering from this belief. Yeah. And, and when, when the person benefiting is typically is a person in power and the person suffering is the vulnerable or oppressed, then hold on. This, this perhaps is a narrative that's out of alignment. Right. Or isn't holistic in Mm -hmm. context. That's what usually happens is, you know, someone's taking one scripture or a couple scriptures or one ideology, and it's not in full context of what represents the full heart of God and the gospel. And so a lot of times those things are taken out of context and being aware of those. And that's another reason that I love your Instagram and your page and everything you Mm -hmm. do, because Kat will have you come on and and question, she'll question things. And I know that mm-hmm. you'll dive into things and ask questions. And I've even seen in the comments, some people don't like that they don't have black and white answers or neatly oh, yeah. tied bows, but that's life. And I appreciate you for creating spaces for critical thinking um, for sure and unpacking those. All that being said, mm-hmm. uh, what encouragement do you have for someone who? has something they want to pursue or is wanting to show up for life, you know, in all of these areas that we've talked about, but mm-hmm. has been feeling paralyzed by fear. Like they just feel like fear is just constantly ruling their life. They're always living on edge. They're always worried about, you know, putting themselves out there, showing mm-hmm. up. Yeah. What encouragement do you have for someone who's just a prisoner of their own mind by doubt and fear and limiting beliefs? Yeah. I would say that here's the, here's the reality is whenever you put yourself out there and anything, you're going to feel rejection. You're 
no, you're never going to have everyone accepting you. Any sort of step forward is going to be someone agreeing with you and someone disagreeing you. And I am living proof of that. (laughs) And I played small in my life and my career for a long time because I was just trying to be all things to all people. And I can't. And so let's normalize rejection. Guess what? I have had my heart stomped on and I am safe Mm -hmm. and I am okay heartbreak or awkwardness or, or even anxiety. I remember when I was neck deep struggling with anxiety and the physical symptoms of it were Mm -hmm. so overwhelming to me that it became my goal in life to avoid that at all costs. Yeah. However, guess what? Every time I've had an anxiety attack, I've been okay. I, I can feel really painful and uncomfortable emotions and physical sensations and stay in my body. So to the person struggling and paralyzed in fear, I first want you to know you are not alone. Mm -hmm. You don't have to walk through this alone. Even if your worst case scenario happens, you're going to be okay. You are loved and supported. There are so many people in your life that want to walk with you and support you. And life isn't about the absence of fear. Mm -hmm. I think for a long time, I thought, the fear and anxiety has to completely go away before I'm healed. No, my relationship to fear changes. Yeah. So instead of being paralyzed by fear because fear is in the driver's seat, when I experience fear now, the first thing I say, thank you, fear, so much. You're here because you're you're trying to save my life. Thank you. You're, you don't get to drive the car today. Yeah. I'm not going to resent you anymore. You can sit in the back seat. Thank you. And I'm going to go anyways. I'm going to keep moving forward. Yeah, yeah. I love what you're saying about that. And that's, I always say, like, when God says, fear not, I am with you through the Old Testament, he says it so many times. You know, it's it's not a condemnation, but it's really this, like, he knows that we have fear instincts and they're going to be there and it's a part of the human experience and he's there with us along the way um, as we're stepping out. And um yeah, really normalizing the fact that these are all sensations and feelings that are a part of the human experience. And it's really our relationship with them, how we're reframing them um, and the like. So thank you so much for everything that you've shared today. So many gems. Um, I hope you guys will definitely follow Kat and and check out some of the more, more of the work that she's doing. How can those who are listening stay connected with you? Yeah, well, you can find out about my book and order it on sexlessinthecitybook.com. And my weekly podcast is on all the different streaming sites and services. It's the Refined Collective Podcast. And my Instagram and website is The Refined Woman. And come on, come on over, slide into my DMs. I love when people say hi and I love connecting. So come on over. Yes. Thanks guys for joining us until next time.